Hey family, if you are an educator, a teacher, a principal, an education consultant, I have something so special that you cannot find anywhere else that is coming to your phone, your iPad, your desktop. I am bringing together my squad. I'm bringing together my team. I'm bringing together some folks who you can identify with because they were in the classroom in schools and education organizations just like you and now they are running six and seven figure education consulting businesses. I am Dr. Erica Jordan Thomas and welcome to the Seven Figure Educator Podcast. I am so hyped. So uh, I'm hyped for a a few reasons because you all are going to have the very first access to the new podcast, Seven Figure Educator. And so go ahead, like, subscribe, go ahead and start downloading. We've already released the trailer in the first two episodes and we're gonna be dropping episodes every single Monday. So make sure you go ahead and subscribe. We have the YouTube version. So if you like to watch and you got the visuals, you wanna put it on while you're cooking. We also have the iTunes version. If you wanna listen to it while you're on your way to work, go ahead and save that, share it with your family, share it with your friends. We also have the unique opportunity to record a few live podcasts here during the event. So we're actually getting ready to record a live podcast episode. Uh, and I'm excited to do that with Dr. Tracy Lynn. So first off, let's welcome Dr. Tracy Lynn. So I'm excited to be able to have this conversation. And first off, thank you for making time to traveling here all the way to Atlanta to be able to be with us, to be in person, to be able to have this conversation. And I first off just wanna give context. So obviously we read your bio, but I wanna give context so that way people who are listening understand the footprint of your entrepreneurship journey. And so we name this in your bio that you have, I'll use the term serial entrepreneur, that you've had multiple ventures, that you've grown your journey from $200 to over $100 million, that you've had over 100,000 consultants working underneath you, and you happen to be a black woman from Detroit. That's right. All right? So I think what's interesting to put this into context so that way, folks know the impact of your leadership is I heard someone name that when it came to direct selling companies at the size of the company that you built, that there weren't many that were comparable because many people think Mary Kay, right? They think uh, Avion, that bubble bath. And the only other black owned direct selling company that was at the size of yours was Dudley Q hair products. So if you had Dudley Q, right, the the lotion in the white bottle with the blue letters, that your company was at the same magnitude and size. So I just want people to understand that because again, exposure creates expansion and that's something that you created. So talk to us a little bit around what was, because I know that your business has been through many, many iterations. Mm-hmm. So actually, what was your first million dollars? My very first million dollars, I was 25, 
and I started selling jewelry. I would just go up, go to New York, private label the jewelry, bring it back and sell it, and I made a million dollars. I got a showroom. You know, I moved two or three times. I kept outgrowing my space almost monthly. I was outgrowing the space because I was answering a question, solving a problem. Women wanted to make money, make extra money, and I had a solution. Mm. So you're using the term direct selling. Can yes. you define for folks what that actually means? So in, in direct sales, now we even call it social selling. That means you either do one-to-one -one selling or you do home parties. So we were really big on the party. So we had a lot of home parties. So people would buy it wholesale from me and then sell it retail in a home party, at the job, wherever they would go, they would pull out their bag of jewelry. Mm. So... All right, so you have built this company, first started with jewelry, mm -hmm. and then what was, first off, did you know that it was gonna be a million dollar business? Like, was that your goal when you first started? Well, when I first started, my, my very first iteration was even in clothes, and clothes wasn't one size fit all. And I, I was making probably, uh, I got as high as, I don't know, 10, say $10,000 a month doing that. And then when I started doing jewelry in my home, I was making $16,000 and I was like 24. Mm -hmm. So by the time I was 25, I hit a million and I didn't know if jewelry was gonna be the thing, but I watched my grandmother as a young, at four years old when I was four, travel with her while she sold accessories and jewelry. But I believed that I was gonna be a millionaire. Even though I didn't see it, even though when I was, you know, living with my mother in Detroit, she, you know, we had that government cheese. I didn't see it, but I believed it. Mm. I believed it. Mm. So I'm, I'm curious because I think that's so powerful of I believed it. I did. And so, and that was a little bit of the conversation that we've been having here at Six Figure Educator Live is around the impact of your beliefs. And so can you give us a couple of examples of like, what does it look like, whether it's like an action or a decision that you made that it's like, because I believed that I was gonna be a millionaire, I made this decision, I did this thing, I made this choice. Other people might've called it risky, other people might've been looking at me sideways, but because I knew that I knew that I was gonna be a millionaire, I took this thing that felt like a bet to other people. Hey there, I know you're enjoying this conversation, but I just wanted to pop in real quick to make sure that you knew about Seven Figure Educator Live. It is the event for black education consultants. And I host it as an opportunity for you to get in the room and get the transformation that you need for your education consulting business to cross the seven figure mark. So I want you to head to the show notes and click the link sevenfigureeducator.com to be able to learn all about the event and get your seat so that way you can join us. I'll see you there. Just selling jewelry because everybody told me, well, you know, you can go up to New York and get that same jewelry. I, I didn't care about that. Mm. I still did it. I still private labeled it if I could, if I can put my name on it, or in some instances in the very beginning, I just let it be what the name was that was on the jewelry and I sold it. So that didn't discourage me. Then even as I went along, people would tell me, you know, I saw it down the street. So-and-so had the same piece. That never moved me. I was on a mission and I understood that that was the process. 
we can never avoid the process. And that was the process. So I was gonna to have to do that because I didn't have the kind of money to start off ordering from China. I didn't even know how to do that then. So the beauty of what I did, I had to walk that thing out. So I, I and I could see that I had something. Mm. Cause the jewelry was one size fit all, it turned over. And one of my trademarks is people represent my brand because they love my style. So I knew that the style that I was choosing was selling. Mm. So the first million at 25, right. and then we got a hundred million. Right, <laughs> right. So I know there were probably lots of twists and turns and, and pivots and iterations. And, and I think what a, what's interesting is I, I think that there's a misconception that people think that the line or the journey of entrepreneurship is linear. Like it's a straight line, like you make the decision, you start, and then you get from A, you go to B, you go to C, you go to D. And the reality is, is it actually spins and twirls and you take a couple steps back and then you might have to iterate and start over. And so what's an example of a time that you had to take a step back or you had to pivot or maybe you had to start over or iterate that was a part of the journey of actually getting to nine figures? So in the business, we were doing really well. I, like I said, I was 25, maybe about to turn 26 and we had made a million dollars. I was excited. I mean, I, I still didn't have the process down and I understood that because we, I would still go to New York, buy the jewelry and I had a room full of ladies changing out name cards. So I, I always understood the whole way a system works, which was really a blessing that I got a chance to see it from, from that perspective. And I decided to open up a showroom in Baltimore. So at this point I was living in the Philadelphia area. So all my family was in Baltimore. So I decided to open up the showroom in Baltimore, but I couldn't sustain it because I didn't have the right systems processes and I did not understand it. I'm still a young woman. So it's not working in Baltimore. I have to close the Baltimore showroom down, come back, still work it in the Philadelphia area, but it wasn't sustainable. You ever have growth that you start and you just can't sustain it? And it was because I didn't have the right processes in place. I didn't have the right system in place. And then with my young self, I heard some women on the outside of the door. I could hear them through the speaker. And it was one woman in particular who was older than I was, and I helped her with tuition for her son, and she was out there trying to get everybody to stop doing business with me. And anybody that walked out that door, she was telling them why they shouldn't help, you, or they weren't helping me, why they shouldn't mm. sell the jewelry, why they shouldn't do it. And I just could not believe my ears. Here this woman was in her 40s, I was helping her, and she was that against me. It took something out of me and I no longer wanted to do the business. Even though I had made a million, even though I had just received the Madam C.J. Walker Award, even though all those great things happened, it took something out of me and I left the business. Mm. And I wasn't gonna go back, but I did know that I was missing some information 
and I didn't know anybody else who had the information I was missing. So I decided to go into franchising because they had systems, processes, and a way to do things that was quick, easy, and they could collapse a curve if you just came in as a mom and pop and you can be at 200 and something thousand dollars in a season. I needed that. So here I am still in my 20s. I bought my first Rita's Italian Ice. Then I bought a second Rita's Italian Ice. And then by the time I got to number three, they gave me one because I was such a good operator. And so not only did I buy it, I had a friend who owned a McDonald's. He didn't own one, he owned like five or six. So it's important who you're talking to. It's important the environment you put yourself into. It's important to know that everybody with you ain't for you. So he had all these McDonald's and he talked to me about how they, McDonald's, owned the land. So he still had all his stores. He didn't own any of his buildings. And one of my readers, they were selling the building, so I bought the building so I could own the building and the land. And eventually when I sold that store, I still got the rent every month. I still own the building and the land. And I just sold it in the high of the real estate market. So that was almost a 10-year journey. And then I was on a flight going to LA and somebody was selling another brand of fashion jewelry. And it looked, it didn't look like my jewelry, but they had a system. I was missing something. So I did some research. So I went to that, I went to their office when I went out to California, went to their office, saw how they ran things. They had a showroom. I was doing almost the exact same thing, but I was missing the system. I was missing the process. So on that flight back, I decided, okay, I hear you, God. I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go back into the jewelry business. So in that iteration, oh, I was ready. I was mm. stronger. I was wiser. I had learned some things. I understood that I had to guard my heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. I couldn't let people in. Oh, I was ready. I knew how to love, but you weren't going to get in here into a space that wasn't designed for you to get into. Oh, I was ready. And that was the business. That iteration of me, after doing the readers, I actually traveled with Les Brown. I was his opening speaker for some years. And after all of that, I was finally ready. I understood money better. I did the research. I had these franchises and they forced me to understand how to handle my finances and how to see things at a larger scale. So I was ready. That's how I got to that iteration. Mm. Like, this is so good. They're so good. Like, there's, there's so many nuggets to be able to unpack in this. And so I think, I think one of the nuggets is your approach to learning. Because I think, I think people have different philosophies in terms of how they learn. And what I heard and what you just shared is I am going to pay for access. Exactly. Like I'm going to pay for the answer. And I think, I think that's an interesting and critical mindset, particularly as we're having this conversation on a podcast called Seven Figure Educator. This ain't six figure educator. It ain't five figure and it ain't four. But I think that's an interesting thing to kind of comb out uh, for folks because I think that's a part of the hidden curriculum of generating money and generating wealth is I think people think that seven and eight figure, nine figure business owners, they just figured it out. <laughs> I would have never gotten there 
especially without the franchise. Even though I didn't, I, I sold the franchise and, and that was it. But if I didn't learn the systems, now I didn't use a franchise system, I used a system. So it didn't have to be a franchise system. They just got my mind to understand that with large growth comes a system. So I had to learn a system and a process. Now those franchises about $275,000 a piece. So I had three, do the math, and then I bought a building. So I was all in at a million dollars for that revelation. But I could turn one into five, five into 10, 10 into 20, and on and on. So everywhere I went, I looked to pay tuition. Oh, y'all still here with me? Okay. So you have to pay for access. And collapsing the learning curve is not just taking a course, just going to the seminar. It requires something more. It requires you to get all the way in. You going deep in that water because once you're in that environment, like in the Direct Selling Association, mm. I, I, I came on the board. Mm. So I was invited on the board. They had never had a black person on the board in a hundred years in this association. So I'm the vice chair right under David Hall, who is the president and CEO of Mary Kay doing a billion dollars a year. And here I am, I think I might be at like a million point five, I'm at 1.5, but I'm sitting in a room with billionaires. Now there was a cost and a fee to be in the association to do my part. So it was a hundred and something thousand dollars. Now, some of us would have talked ourselves out of that so quick. I ain't gonna be doing that. You know, God got away from me. I would, that was the way God had for me. Mm. And with a vision comes provision. He will provide for the vision. He's just looking for some yeses. Mm. And I gave my yes with my 1.5 self and I didn't, I didn't profit 1.5. See, that's a difference too, right? So you can gross 1.5, but with all the expenses, didn't quite come out, but I carved that hundred and something thousand dollars out because I needed to be in that room. I needed to hear that. Mm. I needed to have favor from the billion dollar people. I needed to be able to make a phone call and get my answers. I did not at this point have the kind of time to wait it out to get to 100 million. I needed to fast track that thing. I had time to go from one to two. Now I did do that, but not like two to three, three to four, four. I didn't have time for that. I needed some multiplication in my life. Mm. Come on, math folks. Come on, math folks. I needed four to eight. I needed eight to 10. I needed 10 to 12. I needed 12 to 15. Those are real numbers. But it was because I was around people who a billion dollars was common. Those were common conversations and I would fly to Dallas and they would roll out the red carpet for me at the Mary Kay. Now you would think, well, how are they gonna let you in to show you their secrets? They ain't worried about you and no secrets. <laughs> I was no threat to their little secrets. And I took in, I could drink it like a sponge. I can take information and just process that stuff real quick. But what I also know is that as much as I can process, like you are here today, 
this weekend, you're going to get all this information. It's like a digital download. Your eyes going fast. She got you up <laughs> early in the morning. Here you are late at night eating food. You don't know what you want. Your eyes moving fast. But let's talk about when you get home. See, you come into this room for an inoculation. Mm. That's mm. what they, that's why you need to see them more often mm -hmm. to get that inoculation from all the negativity mm. that happens out there. And then somebody else starts talking. This is, this was the talk in my business. You know what? You don't need to sell jewelry for her. You can sell your own jewelry. You don't need to sell jewelry for her. You could do it yourself. You, you know how, how much I heard that conversation, but I knew that what I had was special. I knew I was operating in my dominant gift. And I knew that if I helped other people get what they want, that I couldn't help but to get blessed and get what I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And I focused on the people. I didn't always look at the numbers. I didn't see them as the dollar. I saw them as the people. Now I'm getting back. I put a pin in it. What happens when you get home? So when you get home, you have to already have made up your mind and made a decision before you leave here what that next step looks like. You can't wait to get home and then figure it out. You have to figure it out right here, right now in this safe environment with other people, like-minded people on the same mission, going in the same direction because there's strength in this number. There's safety in this number. You can be discouraged in this number and get encouraged again. See, I didn't have that. I was the only black woman. The only person I had was the Dudleys, and I, I, I didn't have it. And so sometimes, especially when, when you're moving from that 10 million and then you're 15 million a year and you're going to that 20 million a year and things go wrong, mm. where do you go? See, before I would quit. Mm. And then I used the word, this is my next iteration. <laughs> 2.0. So that was the cute version. But I, I wasn't, I didn't have time and I wasn't going to quit this time. When I had a group of women who were trying to come against the business and they were trying to set me up. But I heard about it in prayer. Now I noticed it's not, uh, you know, I'm not talking about whatever you do and however you believe. Like, like you said earlier, we all have, we should all be tapped into something. Mm -hmm. And surely I was tapped in and I heard it in my prayer. You cannot control the events of today, but just remember you are bulletproof. Hmm. And the events of that day, 9 a.m., so-and-so is leaving, they posted it all on social media. Second, in an hour later, so-and-so is leaving, they posted it all on social media. Third thing, so-and-so is leaving and they all posted on social media. They wanted me to go down. And what did I do? I was at the hairdresser getting my hair colored. And then I went live. Everybody and their mother was on that live. What's she going to say? What has happened? And you know what I said? The truth on that live? I said, woo, everybody, mm, what you think about my new hair color? <laughs> <laughs> and somebody texted me and said, did you know what happened? Oh, I absolutely know what happened. And I am unbothered and unchanged. And that year, we went, and that was in, a, uh, it was in October or November. Within three months, we had made an additional like $8 million. That was one of my highest at that time, like 20 some million in a year. If they didn't make you, they cannot break you. So what you saying is millionaires ain't, 
ain't getting the answers in $98 courses? Is that, is that what we're hearing? Is it- you, you can't. You can get $98 answers. You absolutely can get an answer in a $98 course, but it's a $98 answer. You want million dollar answers? You want million dollar mindsets? You want multiple? Because you know this personally. I love the educators. Most of my family, educators. And I think they should be paid more money. Even in Florida, if anybody's from Florida, they came up with this thing that they were gonna pay uh, teachers over six figures this year. But of course they got voted down because they had to get more property tax. So you know folks wasn't gonna do that. So the question is, are you going to wait for somebody to vote on it and agree to pay more property tax to give you your six figures? Or are you going to stand up, be the one, say, yes, it's me. I deserve the six, the seven, because if anybody is a millionaire and should be a millionaire, it should be you. You can't wait. You don't have time to wait for them to pass it, for somebody to agree with the property tax going up. They're not gonna do it. But what you gonna do? And then your answer is not in $98. Your answer is gonna be in thousands of dollars. With a comma. Yes. Two digits in front of the comma, just to be clear. Because you can't get it all in one setting. You, you, some people say to me all the time, because I do a lot of reels, you're going to give everything away on the reel. What are you, do you know how deep this well is? You can stay in this room with me for three days, night and day, and you're not going to get it all. Oh, so, uh, this is good. This is so good. I got calmed down. This is so, no, you ain't got to. You ain't got to. I apologize in advance. You you know, no apology needed. No apology needed. So uh, in a moment, we are gonna have the opportunity to open it up for questions and start pondering and thinking about what questions you wanna ask Dr. Tracy Lynn. Um, But before we get there, I want to pull back the veil a little bit on the reality of seven, eight, nine figures because I'll speak for myself, is that as soon as I crossed the seven figure mark in my business, I realized, and I don't say more money, more problems, it's more money, different problems, Mm -hmm. because being broke has problems too. And I'm going to take money problems over broke problems any and all day. All day. I will take trying to figure out tax strategy over dodging calls from a bill collector, right? I will take trying to figure out how to hire employees and navigating retirement and 401k options versus trying to figure out how to pay my bills and let me move this and this account so that way I, I can miss an overdraft fee. Like, I'm, I'm going to take that over that any and every day and... I think part of what we don't have a conversation about enough because particularly social media will glamorize the seven, eight, nine figures and because we don't talk as much around, so now what does it mean to have seven figure problems, Mm -hmm. right? When people get to seven figures, they have to, and, and this is something I've heard you talk about before, is you have to redefine what a big problem is. Yes. Where what, what you are going to have to anticipate someone will steal your idea. 
Someone will steal your contact. They'll attempt to steal your intellectual property. And so I would love to kind of unpack, and I think it'll be interesting for people to kind of think about how you process it and think through it, because if you're not plugged in and anchored, when you get there and someone will try you, you will get amnesia and forget who you are. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this and I can't believe X, Y, and Z. Maybe I should just go back and get a nine to five. And so there was a particular moment that I've heard you talk about, about a warehouse. And the warehouse that was a, a closing and it had your products. You know what I'm, t the, I'm talking about? Can you share a little bit more about that? That happened twice. Okay. But you're talking about the, the, the last time that that happened. Okay. Um, so I had seen that before, but yeah, I had a warehouse and they were going out of business. And so that's for me, one of the things that I learned, like when I vet my warehouses that do my fulfillment. So my 3PL, my third party logistic companies that do the fulfillment for me, I vet them on their ownership. If they are leasing space, I am not interested because if they don't pay their bill, that means my stuff is going to be stuck in that whole mess. So I look for ownership. So in this particular case, I wasn't vetting then. I didn't know, you know, situations happen, you learn, right? And um, so, they were leasing and the landlord wanted them out for non-payment and they only had a week to get out or all of our stuff was going to be locked up in there well they had a meeting because they wanted to start printing my catalog and i didn't trust them i just had the intuition to know don't 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 do it and i didn't so they were upset with me so they had a staff meeting and in the meeting they said we are going to close. We're closing within a week. And the one thing I don't want anyone to call Tracy Lynn. I want her stuff to get stuck in here. But how many of you know, I know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And as soon as that meeting was over, they were calling me. They found somebody with my number and called me to tell me. That was on a Friday, that whole weekend. I had a speaking engagement that Saturday. I know most people would not have gone to that speaking engagement because this was an emergency. I went to that speaking engagement. And Sunday I handled the problem because I was already grateful that God gave me that insight. So I knew I was already okay. So Sunday I got on the phone, we had a meeting, handled everything. Monday I had a letter from my attorney. I went up with the Broward Sheriff uh, in Florida, got entrance. They had to let us in and I was the first one to get all my stuff out. See, I've been down that road before. It took me a week to get out, it took me a day and a half this time and my footprint was almost 50,000 square feet in this warehouse. Before it was 10, it took me a week, it took me a day and a half. I was out, I knew what to do. I had to track the trailers ready. I had made all the calls that Monday morning and I had my whole staff over there. We packed and we got out. Now, there is something called an aftershock. Mm. When you're in an aftershock moment, things don't hit you until later. So if you live in LA, Anybody in here from California? Okay, hey. so, so in California, when you have an earthquake, a day later, hours later, you have something called the what? 
and it's not as severe, maybe not bad, and you walking and anticipating it for days, when's it gonna happen? So because that happened, I went into an aftershock mode. Then I just felt like, oh, everything is coming against me. I don't know what happened, even though I got through it. And I remember my son coming into the room that Friday because we had a cruise. I was taking all my leaders on this cruise. And I wasn't gonna go because I went through all of this and I was having an aftershock moment. So it's one o'clock and we were supposed to be on the cruise by two. And I'm on the floor crying it out. And my son was about 14 at the time. He came in my room, he said, mommy, we gotta get down there to the cruise. I was like, no, he said, why are you crying? I said, everything that happened. He said, but didn't you move? Didn't you get your stuff out? <laughs> didn't you get a new warehouse? I said, yeah. He said, so what you crying for? <laughs> I said, because I'm just processing. He said, we ain't got time for that because that seafood buffet is over <laughs> at three o'clock. I need you up and let's go. <laughs> I got off that floor, got myself down there, got him down here for his little seafood buffet. <laughs> but in those moments, we can forget. We can forget who we are. And the last part of that was that even in, in my business, I, I had an opportunity to sell it. There is something in business called the jump off. I mean, we don't probably have time for that today, but I had an opportunity to sell it, but I wouldn't sell my name. Why? Because my name is trademark. I own 33 trademarks, 30 patents. I patent my products. That, so now I license the big box stores to sell my products because I do own those 30 patents. I do still have those 33 trademarks. I always make sure that I had it in a different name than the business because if I sold it in the business, it would go there. So I don't know, I have, I don't know, like eight, 10 companies that do different things. And some are patent companies of mine. Some are uh, real estate companies of mine. Some are trusts that I own for my real estate. So I have a lot of different things doing a lot of different things. So everything is always protected. So in selling this business and some other things had gone down in a moment. Somebody say in a moment. a moment. There are moments in a moment. Here it was, I had already at this point made about $90 million and I had a moment, even at that point. So I want you to prepare for the moments. And so there was a moment that I forgot. Mm -hmm who I was and what I've done. And I had all those patents, all those trademarks. I almost forgot because I was in a moment. And I, I'm an animal lover and I had a, a, a German shepherd. I have, I, I have a German shepherd and a, and a small dog. And by German shepherd, very playful, my Coco, she was in the mirror when she was a puppy, loved the mirror, always finding the mirror, licking, licking the mirror, <laughs> licking herself in the mirror. And one day while I was going through this, my son came and he put a mirror in front of Coco and she ran and she was scared and she was shaking because she didn't see herself as the big dog. She saw herself as that puppy. So when she had an opportunity to see who she really was, she was afraid, she forgot that this is what you grow into, this is who you become. And the Lord was speaking to me that you're not 
A puppy? You're not small because of what you've been through. You are a big dog. Woof. Come on, y'all. Woof. You got that big dog in energy in you. You are a big dog. And sometimes a situation can take you back to the puppy moments where you forget that you're a big dog. Woof. Mm. 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 Listen, somebody getting saved tonight. Somebody getting saved. Somebody getting saved. So I am fascinated by the number of consultants that you had in Dr. Tracen and Jewelry. Mm-hmm. Some people like how I get this employee, how I get this virtual assistant. You had over 100,000 consultants. Absolutely. And I can imagine and make a healthy assumption that in order to build that type of, of infrastructure and support, that there is an intentionality when it comes to community. And so I would love to hear you talk about how you think about community because the spirit behind my question is, I think for many people who are listening, regardless of where they are on their journey, that community has the potential to be the cheat code for the growth in their business if they understand it, if they have a strategy around it, if they position it correctly. So I would love to hear you talk about how you think about community, how you approached community that resulted in 100,000 consultants, not 100, not 200, not 1,000, 100,000 consultants. And you can get to the numbers that I've seen without a community. I was everything because of the community mm. and the people. And I called them the force. May the force be with you. And they were the force. So they came out in force. They did everything in force. Our events were a couple thousand. I mean, everything was the force. Now, you didn't always have 100,000 at one time, but in and out, as long as you had that healthy number, and I understood it. So I cultivated relationships. I wasn't going after them for the dollar. I wanted the relationship. So I cultivated that. I did things other people wouldn't do. So in my Facebook group, I gave training. I would bring in a Les Brown. I would do anything I needed to do to help them grow to another level, to help them succeed on their nine to five. A lot of women came in one way and then they were you incorporated mindset. They got raises on their job because I was committed to the process of making them better. And you have to be authentic. I can smell phony a mile away. We can play nice, but when it comes to me playing nice, when it has something to do with money, if you ain't right, I ain't playing nice. Cause I can spot a phony. So I knew in order for me to get in with the women, I had to come as authentic. Did that mean everybody was gonna accept that? No. Does that mean that I was gonna be cool with everybody? No. But I knew if I came authentic and wanting to help them and not worrying about how much they're helping me, that I would see the dollars on the back end. Hmm. 
And that's exactly what I got. I didn't have the turnover. I had longevity. So I made sure that if we had a trip, if we had a trip, I was taking my whole field on trips that people would only take top level executives. We would go on trips, I mean, that some have not even seen to this day. And not only would I take them on a trip, I would spoil them. They come back into their room, they have gifts. I would make a special bag that I had never made before and make it just for them and give it to them. I would do everything I could to spoil them, to let them know I really did care. And not only that, I knew the kid's name. Can you imagine with all those people? I was, I'm, I'm grateful I got that photographic memory. I can remember everybody's kid's name, what, 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 not, not what school, what grades they were in when they would graduate, and they would just be in amazement. But what I was doing was showing the care, how much I really did care, and that made a difference. So I didn't have the retention problems that plagued the rest of the direct selling industry. I mean, retention is retention, but I didn't have the numbers that they did. I had long retention. So I didn't have the attrition rate of people leaving faster than they were coming. Oh no, my people stayed for years and years and then invited me to the weddings. And then sometimes they forgot that I wasn't really their family. <laughs> so I invested time, money, <laughs> and I will go to a different city. Back then when I was running the business in the early years, I lived in Delaware. So I would go, and I wouldn't even let you in if you weren't in the area I could drive to. In my first three years, I, I did this organic growth. If you didn't live in Delaware, uh, Baltimore, um, Maryland, or New Jersey, I, 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 well, Baltimore is Maryland, but I mean PG County also. If you weren't in those areas, I could, you couldn't join because I had to touch you. I had to imprint who I was on you. I, I couldn't let just the upline do it because if they did it and they left, you going too. So I had to imprint on you because even in the business with that many women, you gonna get some snakes, some lions, all kinds of the snakes, the wildlife will enter in. <laughs> Not frogs, amphibians. Into the, into the group. <laughs> and I had, a, I had one woman who was so good and what she did. And I, I was more of the Pied Piper. She was a snake charmer. Oh, yeah, she could seduce a man. Mm. And then as soon as she wanna leave, she tried to take them all. Then try to right in the middle, under my nose, recruit them in other businesses. Oh, oh yeah, so we want these things. But there's a lot that comes with that. Mm. But because I was so good to the force, they told me about it. They came in droves. They didn't call me. They drove up to see me in Delaware to my showroom to tell me. And it wasn't one. It was about 20 of them, different times, all within a matter of three days to tell me what she was doing. You cultivate those relationships. Mm. I still, to this day, I, I let you see one of my Facebook, or number, mm -hmm. or my Instagram posts. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. the, the force is still with me. They still, I remember them days. You put my name on wallpaper on the walls. I didn't even know, I, I, was, I was sleeping on the wall with my name, took pictures. They still remember that kind mm. of stuff. So mm. the force is still with me. Mm. I think the interesting translation uh, to that, because I think there's like the strategy of community when you're thinking about those who work 
in your company. And I also think a lot of what you share can also apply to the value and how you treat clients. Exactly. Of like, what is your strategy in terms of providing value, in terms of retaining, in terms of building client loyalty? Because we were talking about today around three ways to make money. Find new clients, to reactivate former clients, or to have current clients upsell or spend more money. And current clients are only willing to spend more money if you treat them right. That's right. Right? And so I think a lot of what you just named and what you mentioned around how you think about community, I think we can also think about how we treat clients and how we make such a unique client experience. So I heard you say I would give them, uh, uh, take them on the cruise, or I would have a unique bag of mm -hmm. what's your client onboarding gift, right? Do you have certain milestone dates for your clients, whether it is birthdays, whether it is their principalship anniversary, the date, if you work with first year principals, it would be interesting to capture the date that they were announced as a principal and send them something every year on that date. That's big. Right? So little things like that, to your point, that's what people remember in addition to the way in which you serve them, but then that builds the relationship, that builds the loyalty. Dr. Tracy Lynn, I just have to thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for traveling. And I also wanna be able to acknowledge a special level of gratitude because I know, but I also don't know the number of times that you've been the only. And so we have the opportunity because the only has positioned you to be able to share with us in a very unique way. And we are forever grateful for that. And so thank you so much for taking the time to be able to share with us and joining us here on the Seven Figure Educator Podcast. All right. So thank let's you. Give Dr. Tracy, a thank round of applause. Thank you all for having me. Thank you all for having me.